If you got your Bibles, you can open up to Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to be in several places today, but we'll begin in Jeremiah 1. But I told you that last week I said I wanted to kind of speak on this. I felt God was leading me to talk about why I am pro-life. And so I've simply entitled the message today, Pro-Life All the Way. Pro-Life All the Way. The reason why I want to name it that is because pro-life has been hijacked and redefined, and it makes no sense the way they want to claim it. So we're going to talk about those things today. Well, where it all started, it really started in 1973. Now, the case began in 1970 of Roe v. Wade. And a lady there was wanting to have abortions. And of course, Roe is just a a name that they gave her. It's not a real name. But she wanted abortions to be legal all over the United States of America. And for some reason in the Supreme Court, by a 7-2 vote, it was determined that abortions could now become legal all over the country, no matter what the states had deciphered for their own state. The United States of America would make every state appeal and understand that they had to submit to the final law and the final ruling of the Supreme Court, and that is that abortions were legal. And millions of dead babies later, we come to June 24, 2022. And praise God by a 5-4 to four vote... It was returned back. Now get this, that doesn't get, a, get rid of abortions. It turns it back over to the state. But bless God, the state of Tennessee has what they call a trigger law. And so as of July 24, 2022, it will now become illegal in the state of Tennessee to abort a baby. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Well, according to the law, it becomes a class C felony. So anyone that aborts a baby will get up from one to 10 years in prison for abortion. So now there were some states that didn't have a trigger law. And a trigger law just means once the Supreme Court enacted it, they basically gave a month. Now there are some states like the state of Alabama that the moment it happened on June the 24th, abortion clinics had to be shut down right then and there. But I look at this and I think to myself, it is amazing some of the ridiculous statements that have come out all over that are so upset and so angry that babies get to live. Uh, One of the most interesting things, and and I saw several news outlets showing this, but there were several ladies that were out there screaming that they were going to go on a sex strike. Can I tell you, the Supreme Court just solved two ills. Abortion and fornication. I thought, man, that is the craziest. And then men were saying, well, we're going to go out and we're going to go get vasectomies to fix this problem. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I mean, some of the things, the ridiculous things that were coming out were just, it's like, are you serious? This is your, your way that you're going to defeat this. This is, this is how you're going to stand against it. Well, listen to some of these other things. It just it blows my mind. Uh, Amy Schumer, who's considered a comedian, and, and uh, if you consider a comedian, you're not funny then because she's not funny at all. Uh, but she posted on her Instagram, and this is so unbelievable that this is allowed to stay on Instagram. This shows the leftward lean of social media, if you're not careful. On Instagram, this was allowed to stay on her Instagram. Late-term abortions via school shootings are still available. 
humorous? I think not. You're going to advocate school shootings because you don't want a child? Please give that child up if you don't want to raise them. Please don't do that. But listen to Yvette Nicole Brown. This one was just, it it blew me away. She said, I hope that 53% of white women who just couldn't stomach voting for Hillary Clinton are happy. I am. But that's not how she finishes. That they've just ensured that their daughters grow up in Gilead. A woman's right to choose is a health decision, a personal health decision. When you equate abortion with health care, you are mental. There's something wrong with you. That is not a health decision. You're killing a baby. That is not making it healthier for the mother. And then she ends with this. I'm a Christian and know that. Ooh, I hate to see you at the judgment seat. Billie Eilish, a popular singer, she said it's a dark day for women in America. Well, then don't come. Stay in your country. Keep your music to yourself. We don't need it. Olivia Rodriguez once said this. She said, I'm devastated and terrified that so many women and so many girls are going to die because of this. At the end of the day, they truly don't give an explicative about freedom. They're going to die. Can I give you the common reasons for abortion? I want you to get... Okay, the first, the number one main reason why abortions were happening was to prevent an unwanted child. 25% of abortions were because they just didn't want the kid. 23% was because of an inability to support a child. 19% because they, get this, completed their childbearing. They already had enough kids, they didn't want another one. 8% didn't want to be a single mother. 4% said it would interfere with their education. Now, I'm going to tell you, these are the main reasons why abortions were happening. But this last one just blew me away. They didn't want it to interfere with their education. I got a personal story about that. You see, my brother was 19 years old, and he got his girlfriend pregnant, my older brother. And my older brother and his wife, they weren't married at that time. They ended up getting married. They They were in college. And they were concerned about having this baby, but they never thought about abortion. Ever. Praise God, my parents taught us that. They never thought about that, but they did worry about their college education. Can I tell you, both of them graduated on time. Their son is now 30 years old. He graduated college. He's making a difference. And I look at that and I say, don't tell me it can't happen. You can make it happen if you want it to. I have such respect for my brother and his wife because they said we won't take the easy route out. Now, going back to this, and listen to this. Number six is for the physical or mental conditions that endanger the mother, 4%. How is it going to kill women if 4% is only because of physical or mental reasons? 3% to prevent the birth of a child with defects. That's heartbreaking. Those are special children. And lastly, 0.05%, and the main reason why they advocated for abortion, for rape and incest. Not even 1%, not even 0.1%, but 0.05% were for that reason. 
their main reasons are the bottom category to have abortions. It's not about women's health. And let me explain something to you. I am so sick of hearing my body, my choice. Where were those cries when they were trying to force a vaccine on us? It didn't fit the narrative. That's why. It didn't fit the narrative. But listen to this. Here's one of the other horrific things that has come out. There's donate to abortion travel. Now, if you think it's just a few companies, you're, for, you're, you're wrong. And a lot of people say, well, we're, just, we're not going to buy products from them. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you're not going to buy products from all these people. You, you're, you're, gonna, you, you're not going to make it. Please buy deodorant. Here's some of the companies, Disney, Netflix, Amazon, Paramount, Dick's Sporting Goods, Procter & Gamble. That's why I say, please do not boycott deodorant. Target, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, Bumble, CVS, Estee Lauder, Goldman & Sachs, Hewlett Packard, J.P. Morgan, Kroger, MasterCard, Microsoft, Adobe, Google, Patagonia, PayPal, Salesforce, Starbucks, Tesla, Yelp, Airbnb, DoorDash, uh, Expedia, Nike, Levi, Reddit, Warner Brothers, Uber, Lyft, Vimeo, Zendesk, and Zillow, just to name a few. Now, let me explain something. I listened to Ben Shapiro on this, and he's not always right, but he's pretty doggone smart. He said, just as the people have abused the welfare system, they'll abuse this, and I hope they do. Because what do they have to show to prove that they were pregnant in the first place? There's going to be a lot of $4,000 vacations on these companies, and I hope they wear them out. This stuff right here is absolutely ridiculous. Well, I want to give you some reasons why I'm pro-life, and then we're going to get into the scriptures. Number one, I am pro-life because the Bible is pro-life. You will not find scripture to support pro-choice. Not one single scripture. The Bible is pro-life. Number two, the reason why I'm pro-life is because I am alive. Notice the ones living are the only ones promoting killing babies. Number three, because I'm a father. I'm pro-life because I have two beautiful kids that God has blessed me with. And I am very thankful that we chose to have children. I'm thankful that God gave us the two he gave us. Number four, because I don't believe in murder. Partial birth abortion, that, that one just blows me away. The fact that a child could be crowning and they kill the baby anyways. Thank you, Bill Clinton, for that. But thank you for our president that said, we're not going to allow that stuff anymore. But not only that, there was a mother, and this was on Instagram or, or, or some social media post. A mother was holding a one-year-old baby and had written on her body this saying, not yet a human. Talking about her one-year-old, not yet a human. If you don't understand, pro-choice is not about women's health. It is about control for themselves and their children. And something's wrong. Number five, I'm pro-life because there are other options. There are other options. And we'll talk about one of those in a moment called adoption. And six is because the reasons for abortion are terrible. But let's take a look at Scripture. I want to talk to you about why I am pro-life all the way. The first part of this is to understand 
what we're against. Now, here's what we're mainly known for is what we're against. I'm going to start with what we're against, but then I'm going to talk to you about what we're for, and that is what is very important. Number one, we are against abortion. Why? Because the scriptures tell us this. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, read with me there. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God says you were a person before your parents even thought of you. You are a creation of God even before you were in the womb. I am sick and tired of people using the word fetus. You want to know why they want to use the word fetus? Because it dehumanizes the child. If they don't see it as a baby, they don't see it as murder. It is a baby from the moment of conception. Plain and simple. Scriptures are very clear. God says, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. God knew these 63 million babies that have been murdered. Do you think God is happy about that? And he goes, well, you know what? As long as their mothers are safe, I'm not concerned about the babies. Now, I need you to understand something. If you have had an abortion, there is still grace for you as well. We're just wanting to prove the case that it is wrong. But I want you to understand there is forgiveness, there is mercy, and there is grace. Because we all sin. So I need you to understand that before you think I'm just going on a rant. I want you to grasp that God enacts forgiveness for all sin, including abortion. But you need to see it is absolutely heinous and wrong. God knew these children. God knew you before you were ever in the womb. In fact, Paul says something similar in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. When he's speaking to the church of Galatia there, Paul simply says this to them. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. You see, God is the one who places the baby in the womb, and God is the one who brings the baby out of the womb, and anybody that does anything in between is wrong. God is in control, in complete control. We also need to see that God fashioned them. I love this scripture in the book of Job, chapter 31 and verse 15. Job says it this way. He says, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up loving Legos. Anybody else love Legos? Man, I'd get a set of Legos, and I'd get the plan, and I'd put that thing together. I'd have it done within like an hour's time or less because I, I just want I love putting it together. I fashioned it together. I put the pieces all in the proper place. God is doing that in the womb, giving that child a heartbeat, giving that child its feet and its toes and its hands and its fingers and its eyes and its nose and its ears and its mind. And God is placing all of that together. He is fashioning that baby in the womb. God is intricately detailed in the way he fashions these children. I'm telling you, when you think about the time that God put into each and every one of us, I know we look at the past and we say, well, it, it was based on the mom and the dad. No, 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 no. Birth was based on God and God alone. Please understand, without God, you couldn't have kids. 
would not be a possibility. And the way I see it is just like God got down in the dirt and he made Adam out of the dust of the ground and he breathed life into him. He does that with every child. He forms them, he fashions them, he creates them, and he makes them just the way he wants them. So if you want to change what God has already invented and what God has already created, shame on you. God made you the way he wanted you. God fashioned you the way he wanted you. You are perfect in the eyes of God. He doesn't want you looking like anybody else. You are who he wanted you to be. Psalm 139 Verses 13 and 14 say, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are created in the image of God. God has made you the way he wants you. That is why we are against abortion. We also believe in the right to life. The book of Exodus, there's a law there that talks about this in Exodus 21, beginning in verse 22. Listen to this. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judge, judges determine. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. He's talking about the baby. If you harm a pregnant woman and the baby is harmed and the baby's life is taken, you will pay with your own life. You know what we call that in America? It's called a double homicide. You realize that if a woman is murdered and she's pregnant, that person can go for a double homicide. Why is it it's considered a baby then? It's funny how our laws change depending on the circumstances, but God determined that that's a child in the womb. They have a right to life. In fact, uh, Samson's mom and dad were told some specific rules as she was pregnant. She was pregnant with Samson. He says, you can't eat of the vine. You can't touch a dead body. He's going to be a Nazarite from the womb. In other words, how you enact it comes down on the child. And she couldn't even drink, couldn't eat grapes or drink grape juice. He wanted nothing to do with the vine. Couldn't get around dead bodies. Couldn't touch anything unclean. She couldn't do it for the sake of the baby in her womb. Those children have a right to life. I told you I was going to tell you what we're against. It's very clear. The Bible makes it clear what we're against. But I also want to tell you what we're for. What we are for is we are for love, first and foremost. John chapter 13 and verse 35, it simply says this. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love has to be the predominant of everything that we stand for even when we claim to be pro-life. So there are a few things that we need to be standing for. Number one, we need to stand for adoption. James chapter 1 makes this very clear. James chapter 1 and verse 27, it says this. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Isn't it amazing? Pure and undefiled religion is to visit orphans. Now, here's the thing. In biblical times, especially in the Old Testament, you would see this again and again and again and again. And what that was is you would see that God protected orphans and widows. 
In fact, he told his people to look after orphans and widows. That was the job of the people of God, to look after orphans and widows, to watch over them, to care for them. Adoption needs to be something that we think about, we talk about, and we are willing to be a part of. Now, a lot of people say, well, Brother John, you haven't adopted any kids. My wife and I have talked about it. We have talked about it for years. We've talked about it for a very long time. One of the gravest travesties that our country is enacting today is how much it costs to adopt a kid. You say, well, how can we get that down, legislators? It is ridiculous how much it costs. There is a seven-year waiting list for adoption. Seven years. And they want to charge you ten grand. It's ridiculous. What in the world? Who can afford to then adopt and then take care of them because you're having to pay to have the baby? You think about it, though. The Bible tells us that these are things that we need to be moving forward in and thinking about adoption. There are plenty of children out there that need to be adopted. And I'm here to tell you, we need to fix the foster care system. It is totally messed up. We've got to fix it. Can I tell you? The church and Christians used to be over that, and then we turned it over to the government, and they've totally botched it. They've totally botched it, just like they botch everything they touch. We've got to get back to where we stand up for these things, and we start getting out there and making a difference in the world. And guess what? Being pro-life means we need to be for adoption and for foster care. It's interesting, me and my wife and Miss Rachel, we went to uh, a meeting and we thought we were going to come back ready to, uh, ready to foster some kids. We went, through, we went through this thing for Foster 180. Uh, if you don't want to foster kids, don't talk to Foster 180. They will talk you out of it. I was expecting to leave there in anticipation of saying, you know what, it's time for us to do this. You need to find a Christian organization that knows what they're doing. I'm serious. Other churches are attached to that group, and I'm telling you, I've never been so disappointed in my life coming from a meeting. We have got to revamp the foster situation, and that's where we come to my second point. We're for adoption, but we're also for legislative improvements. Romans 13, if you'll look with me there. Romans chapter 13, we need to be for legislative improvements. Romans 13:1 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist that are appointed by God. Verse 7, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We have a government for a reason. As Christians, we must not sit back silent any longer. Let me tell you something. Those that are out there that are fighting for abortion, that are fighting to overturn what the Supreme Court has enacted, those that are out, they are advocating as hard as they can. They are doing everything they can to remove what the Supreme Court has done. You remember our president wanted to pack the court so that this wouldn't happen. That's exactly what they'll do. They're going to do everything they can to fight against it. It is time for the church to stop sitting by idly and stand up and speak for the rights of the unborn we have got to speak up we've got to stand up and we've got to show up if we don't do those things i'm telling you this country is in a handbasket and it's not headed to heaven we've got to advocate we have a state senator right here in our own backyard and i promise you he's with us on this 
But I'm going to tell you what every letter, every email, everything we could send to him and every other person. If we, I'm here to tell you, it's time to get rid of the attorney general we have in Tennessee who said he will not prosecute them. Then you got to go. If you won't prosecute the law, you have no business being the attorney general. None. If you don't think November's important, it is. And some people say, well, I can't believe you're getting political. I'm not getting political. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but you better go vote. If you don't vote, don't speak a word. It's that simple. I'm tired of people complaining when they don't go to the polls and do something about it. Get out there and vote. Get out there and make a difference. Get out there and do your part. Call these legislators. Make them listen. Show them how passionate you are about this. I'm for adoption. I'm for legislative improvements. I'm also, you ready for this? Here's the one I want you to listen to. I'm ready for church involvement. There's four reasons I'm for church involvement. Number one, we are the hands and feet of Jesus because we are his ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says this. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. That is about sharing the gospel and telling people about salvation. But we are ambassadors for Christ in all things. And therefore, because we are ambassadors for Christ, we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We have to speak up. Not only are we ambassadors for Christ, but we are the hands and feet of Jesus because we are ministers of his grace. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says it this way. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are ministers of his grace. The church should exude grace in everything we do. That's why I made certain, I want you to understand, there is grace for those that sin. And there is graciousness that should be in the words that we speak to all those that fall short. We should always be people of grace, but our grace must be more than words. It must come out in our actions. Not only are we the hands and feet because we are ministers of grace, we're the hands and feet of Jesus because we are ministers of his grace. Love. Romans chapter 12, beginning on verse 9, says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. We must be a people of love. We have to be known for our love. One of the one of the worst things that we could ever be listed as is a people of hate. Can I, can I just be honest? I don't hate those that are protesting that they believe abortion is right. I don't hate them. I don't hate those that have had abortions. I don't hate those doctors that have done abortions. I don't hate them. I hate what they've done. I hate what's taken place, but I don't hate them. There's still grace for them. They can be saved. They can be changed. But we have to be a people of love so that they see that there is still grace even for their heinous sins. We must be ministers of love. We're the hands and feet of Jesus because we serve the Lord. The book of Matthew tells us, Matthew Chapter 25 and verse 40. 
And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Everything we do should be working for the Lord. Everything we do. Now I'm here to tell you, you say, well, how does the church get involved? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's two ways we have an opportunity to get involved right now. We have a pregnancy care center coming to Lebanon, Tennessee. We support the pregnancy care center that's in Hermitage. We support them. We just did the baby bottle drive where we gave over 204 baby bottles full of money. We gave a lot of money to help out with the pregnancy care center. We pay and take care of their billboard that they have. We take care of a lot of things for the Pregnancy Care Center, but we've got one coming to Lebanon, Tennessee that's going to be right across from the library on Main Street. It's coming right here in our backyard. But guess what? The building is not ready, and they need some men to come in there and do some work. They were planning on trying to get a contractor to come in there and do the work, and I told Lisa when we went and saw her Monday, I said, I believe I can get some men to come do that. I believe I can get some other churches to come alongside of us, and we'll go in there together. In fact, as of right now, Emmanuel Baptist, Cedar Grove, Cedar Creek, and Lagardo are going to meet with Hillcrest, and we're going to go fix up that pregnancy care center. I told her, I said, there's no reason why we can't do it. We want to be the hands and feet. So if you want to get involved, come talk to me. I get, we got some electrical work, some plumbing. We got some walls that got to be demoed. We got some work that needs to be done in there. And they want to be open by September 1st. And guess what? I want them to be open by September 1st. But we have got to do the work. But I want to tell you a second thing. And it's something that I've been praying about, something that me and David have been talking about, something we've talked about with the staff, something that we are really wanting to see happening. We're praying and praying that God will make a way. And that is we own a piece of property across the street. And my prayer and what I'd like to see over there is a maternity home for pregnant women that are kicked out of their homes, that don't have a place to go, and we offer them a place to go that are going to keep their babies. We have got to be more pro-life than we've ever been before. We have got to stand up. You say, well, shouldn't we just tell them to stop? Good luck. What we can be is we can be on the other end helping in every way we can. We don't want them to ever feel that that child is unwanted. We have to do our part. We have to be faithful to the scriptures and be the hands and feet of Jesus in everything we do. We want to see God do something great. And let me tell you something. My God's already done something great last week when he overturned it. And I believe he's going to do some even greater things what we're about to see. And we as a church better step up and be ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Here today, I'm not trying to, trying to change you from being pro-choice to pro-life. What I want you to see more than anything is that our pro-life viewpoint is more than just against abortion. We're going to do more than speak out against that atrocity. We're going to put our hands and our feet to the grindstone. And we're going to do something that makes a difference to help these ladies out. To help these babies out. We're going to be proactive, not reactive. And I pray that you will pray alongside of us that we make these things happen. 
and then that you become the feet. You come up and you say, I want to help. I want to do. I want to be a part. I promise you, I'll throw 50 men in that building and we'll just get that thing done real quick if we can get it done. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus to make a difference. You want to know why I'm mostly for adoption? Because I was adopted. I was a ragged boy who messed up, who was awful that nobody would want. Sinful, disgusting, always getting in trouble at church. Always in problems. I got kicked out of children's church more times than you can probably count. And youth group. It didn't change. I grew up this young man that probably was, if, if I hadn't got class clown in the annuals, I probably would have got most likely to go to jail. I was the kind of kid that really you didn't want your kids hanging out with. And not that I was a bad influence. I just did a lot. Of, and not that I did really bad things. I just did a lot of stupid things. And you see, when I was at my lowest of lows and I was unworthy and unwanted and ignorant and foolish and captivated by my sins, God came along and he adopted me. And he made me his child. And he saved me from the life that I was headed down. And he said, I want you when nobody else wants you. I'll love you when nobody else loves you. I'll care for you when nobody else will care for you. I will take you down the road and I will change your direction. So yeah, I'm for adoption because I've been adopted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But I also believe we have got to put our feet and hands where our mouths are. And we've got to step up. How about you?